Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners and podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe that it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, and I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hello, hello, podcast listeners, digital agency owners, another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and we are really excited to have you guys here today. Our guest, Keith Perhack, is a developer turned marketer who works with startups and product people to improve their sales funnels. He's worked with many Fortune 500 companies like Toyota, NTT, as well as startups and internet personalities like Ramit Sethi, Jim Quick, and Evan Pagan. And... Uh, he also has a couple of uh, other products, and um, one of those is Segmetrics, uh, which is an analytics tool for email marketing, and Summit Evergreen, which is an online courseware solution for product people, and uh, is a uh, uh, is an avid uh, builder of internal tools and applications and automation and optimizing marketing funnels. And Keith and I actually met originally because... Uh, a friend of mine was talking about how he was kind of a, a digital nomad and I had a family and I was like, Oh, I can't do that. I can't be a digital nomad because I have this family. And he's like, Oh, you should talk to my friend Keith because he's a digital no nomad and he has a family. So everything that you're saying is, is a lot of bullocks. And uh, so Keith and I had a uh, coffee one day and um, he was kind of talking me through some of the digital nomad stuff. I had no idea what his business even was. Turned out we actually needed a lot of Keith's services, and he actually helped us build a lot of the back end of our customer experience here at YouGurus. So we've been a, a big customer of Keith's for a long time, and I think you also have a lot of interesting things to say about digital marketing, funnels, automation, and uh, life in general. So welcome to the program, Keith. Thanks so much. And I just want to say it was a pleasure working with you when we were building out that that uh, that marketing system and the the student system and everything. Yeah. Um, when 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 I hear you describe me like that, I'm like, <laughs> wow, I've done a lot of stuff. Like, I generally don't think of it as having done all that, or I guess it just kind of live in the moment kind of kind of ideal. I guess. So Keith, where did um, where did you get your start? 
and and kind of what compelled you to create your digital agency. And I definitely want to get into more of the a deep dive of some of the ways that you've been able to um, differentiate yourself in the marketplace and all that kind of stuff. But what was the that moment or uh, start that got you into this business in the first place? So... I, I've always been a programmer. So I've, I remember I was, I think I was like six or seven. I had a Tandy 1000 that my grandfather had given us after he was done with it. And I started programming in basic back in the day, always loved it, loved design, loved marketing. Um, and so that was kind of the trifecta that I grew up in, which is I like drawing. I want to be a cartoonist. I like programming. I like building things. And I liked the idea of selling things. And so when I went to college, I did, the a double major in design and programming and then i kind of threw it all away and moved to japan right after college to teach english for three years uh so <laughs> yeah very so interesting my, my my life choice of uh let's be a programmer did not pan, or a cartoonist did not pan out right away um so I went, I went to japan and i figured oh i'll be here a year and then i'll go back home and i'll go back into the job market or whatever and the year turned into three, and I got married. And got married in Japan. Into, got married in Japan. Okay. Uh, to a Japanese woman, and now we have kids, and been I lived there for about fifteen years. But after the the three years of being an English teacher, I realized I hate teaching English. I uh, I love the kids, but it's the same thing every day. I'm not a great teacher, so I went and started working at a Japanese startup, uh, and. It was, when I say Japanese startup, I mean, it was like 10 people in Nagoya, Japan, and I was the only foreigner there. I was also the only person who could speak English there. So they hired me on as a technical translator, and then uh, I graduated into developer, and by the end of the six years I was there, uh, I was essentially running the development uh, department there. So I was head of development. I was doing product design. I was doing product development. I was doing kind of the sales engineer role and everything and just kind of thrown into every part of that mix. Um, so that gets me up to the point where I have a career at this point. I have a business. I have, I've been able to get my skills up to the point where I can be the, the CTO essentially of a company, um, albeit a small one. And that's kind of when I realized that, hey, I'm working from 8 a.m. to about 11 p.m. at night. Uh, I get paid peanuts because Japanese salaries are not so great, uh, even though the hours are long. And the company is being sold. And mm. so do I want to keep doing this or or do I want to leave? And what I what I had come to realize after six years is that in a company or any business, you need three things to be happy. Um, you need to have time for yourself, which means going home at like a reasonable hour, five or six o'clock, whatever. You have to be paid well, which is you're, you're not concerned about money, and you have to enjoy the work that you're doing, right? And you have to have as many of those as you can get, right? The, the more you have, the happier you are. And at the beginning of the job, I had all three. Then after a couple of years, I had two, then I had one, and then I had none. At the end, I was like, why am I still doing this? I don't like the work. I'm working until 1130 at night and I get paid peanuts. I might as well, it's scary as crap, but I might as well try it on my own. 
right? Mm. I might as well try. If I fail, I can go back to, to getting a developer job. I could even work at McDonald's or something, right? I, I'm not going to starve to death. So I, I did it. So we were getting acquired. I said, uh, I said, I do not want to go to the new company. I am going to quit. And I was friends with Patrick McKinsey, who he's probably still pretty internet famous, uh, especially in circles I run in, uh, Patio 11 on Hacker News. He's really big because he helped a lot of SaaS companies learn how to do marketing and SaaS mm. marketing back when that stuff, no one knew how to do it, uh, especially things like split testing. And he had quit uh, his Japanese salaryman job about three years prior, and he introduced me to this guy I had never heard of and said, hey, this guy is looking for a front-end web designer slash marketer. I'm like, okay, I can try that out. So I started that out, and that was my first freelance client. And that's how I got to that point. Hmm. Um, and it's, I think it's important to know that at this point, this is also my first time working with anyone outside of Japan as a freelancer. So I'm in Japan, which has a 16-hour time difference from the U.S., and now I'm working as a contract freelancer, having gotten this job from essentially the middle of nowhere. No contacts or anything that I have in Japan really kind of foster that business growth at all. But this is kind of my first jump into that, that whole freelancing slash consulting side of things. So, so before we go into um, that kind of uh, genesis of the business, and I love those three things uh, to be happy because I and I wrote those down. I'm like self-assessing uh, while we're <laughs> while we're going through this interview. Um, but you know, there's obviously a decision that you made, which was you could maybe achieve those three things um, at another company in a different position. But mm-hmm. your your thought process or decision was, I want to go out and do something on my own. Uh, instead of going and getting another job, uh, was there anything uh, that is that something that you had wanted to do for a long time, or at the time did it seem like the only option? Because I, I just find that sometimes there, there's undoubtedly people that are listening to this show right now that maybe haven't started their agency yet, and maybe they're doing a little bit of moonlighting on the side, and they're thinking to themselves, "Well, I'm, maybe I'm not. Uh, I have no time to myself. I'm not paid very well. I'm not enjoying my work. Is the solution then to go start a business, or?" Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, why was it, that it, the solution for you? It depends, I think, very much on your specific personality and what, what you are happy doing. Um, I was happy being the lead in my company. I was happy making the direction of where products were going uh, because I was essentially the top of the development branch. There were very few people I had to answer to. And I liked being in that position of, being the subject matter expert in what I was doing. Um, um, the, the people that I worked with that were kind of, I don't want to say my employees, my, the people on my team, we worked well together because we were a group of like-minded individuals, but I didn't have to answer to anyone except for the, the boss, right? And when I say the boss, I mean the boss of the company, right? And to me, that was a very empowering thing. And also... It was good because it, for me personally, it gave a lot of responsibility and uh, kind of buy-in into what I was doing, right? There was at no point where I could just come into work and sit there and just type on a computer 
uh, or read the the read news or, or just like just screw around right because it at the end of the day it was my responsibility to get these things out of the door on time looking how they need to look and performing how they need to perform under budget right so it was my responsibility and i liked that i liked having that connection to the to the results right i'm, I'm a very results oriented person i like being able to see my effort paid off because now look at this isn't this amazing mm -hmm. and if you are that type of person then i think that going the freelancing consulting route is very good um if you are not and you're not and it's i think in, especially in the west we have this idea that being not being self-driven is a bad thing it's not a bad thing at all but some people want to be told what to do mm -hmm. right they want to just go in and do it and accomplish it to the best of that they can do and then be done with it. And that's fine. And that's great. And sometimes I wish that I could do that because it would make my life so much simpler. <laughs> but I'm one of those people where I have to be in control to some degree. And that's what really made me think, yes, I need to do this. Um, and at that point, I probably could have gone back to another job. The, the benefits at, at that point really out of consulting outweighed the the going to a different job and now after seven years of doing that i don't think i could necessarily go back to a job in the same way right i think it would be very hard to be just another cog in the wheel at this point yeah that makes sense so the uh you you mentioned this that there was this 16 hour time difference and uh i know over the years you have done a great job creating this very decentralized uh agency that people work in different time zones and mm -hmm. um you're you're totally fine working with clients in the US when you're in Japan and uh and i think you've built your business around that freedom which many people might be kind of thinking like what like you, can't, you know i can't even work in with clients in the west coast and i live in the east coast like how is this guy doing you know 16 hour time difference but it sounds like from your very very first client you had to deal with that and it just became a part of your company's DNA. Can you, can you talk exactly. to that kind of how, how you structured your business to allow you to work very uh, freely in different countries and in different areas than your clients were? Yeah. And it's actually interesting. So now that I'm back in the U S I have to be used to getting to being around when my clients are around, like I'm on the same time zone as most of my clients now. And that's actually really tough for me to get used to. <laughs> You're like, I have to pick and up the phone when they call. <laughs> It is that is literally it. That is literally it. Because what happened when I was in Japan, so I would so also because I had that Japanese salary man eight o'clock to eleven thirty work time that I was used to, I had a lot I had a really long day work ethic, right? I was used to working a long number of hours every day. And so I'd come on at let's see, three o'clock Pacific time. And I'd get in touch with all the clients or everyone I need to talk to and talk about what the problems were, get any questions answered, et cetera. And then at about 11 o'clock noon, my time, everyone's asleep. Mm. And I have about five to six uninterrupted hours of solid work where I got everything done. And I just plowed through it. No one's asking me to get on a call. No one's sending me an email. Uh, I just can plow through six solid hours of work. I'll have dinner, take a little break. Uh, then at about seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, my time, PM, 
the clients start coming back online and I'll touch base. I'll have sent out emails and said, Hey, this is all done. And it was really interesting because from the client side, it almost felt like magic to them, right? Because what would happen was they would talk to me at about three or four o'clock their time, right? Or they'd send me an email, they'd go to bed and they'd wake up and it'd be done. <laughs> and, and so there was this very, and I had a couple of clients actually comment on this. They were like, it's like having this little elf that does everything <laughs> I want while I'm asleep. And it worked out really well. And it, it worked out well when I was working by myself and then things got busier. And so I had a team that was distributed. So I had some people on the East coast, some people on the West coast and um, myself and one other team member in Japan. And what we essentially came up with was a 24 hour support cycle. So we had a lot of things going on during the day. We were catching fires and stuff during the day. And then during the night, I was able to go in and take everything across the finish line and make sure that everything was good and maybe put some extra time in that needed to, to polish things up, right. To keep that high expectation of quality going. Mm. So it, it was actually, I actually liked that way of working a lot more because I had no distractions. And now I've been back here for a year now. And honestly, 80% of my day is now phone calls, right? How does so anybody very, get anything done over here? I, I have no idea. I have no idea how anyone gets anything done being in the same time zone as the clients. And that's been the real shift for me with the business, which is, and it's a good thing. It's a very good thing, which is now I am starting to focus on the business rather than in the business. Because that six hours I was doing work the same as my team, right? Mm. I was doing the same type. I was making deliverables. I was doing design. I was writing copy. I was fixing things that maybe hadn't been caught in QA. Like I was putting the final polish, the final integration on everything, right? And just driving across the finish line. And now I'm not doing that. I am working on client calls, on lead generation, on kind of growing the business side of things but I don't have that time to work on the internal side of things. So it's a huge mental shift. And then how do you even keep the quality going when everyone's used to you being the final integrator of everything, right? And that's something that we've been working on for the last year now, trying to find a good solution to, which is, because like I said, I'm a little bit controlling. Uh, my, my employees <laughs> might, might say that a bit differently, might phrase that differently. But I have I have high expectations of what we deliver and how quickly we deliver them. And yeah. so how do we keep that those high expectations? Because our clients also expect that now. How do we keep that going when they're when I'm no longer there to do that integration and to put that final spit polish on things, right? Yeah. That's really interesting. So so have you guys kept that twenty-four hour support infrastructure i mean i know that in terms of all of the the partner companies that we work with and help make you gurus happen uh i think you guys are one of the only people that i've literally i've been on skype chats very late with certain <laughs> team members uh from your company and um you know I, and, and in some cases it's it's like certain people we work with are only available in in at different times and that's just part of how you guys operate um, right. and i know for for me i definitely get into the weeds more working in the business if you will uh 
uh, <laughs> sometimes at that 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. time, it's like a sweet spot for me to get some focus work done because I'm not in Japan. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm here. Everybody can distract me all day long. Uh, but I've been I have worked with your team at length at the in the wee hours of the night uh, on some important problems. But um, are you guys still operating under that, or have you evolved that process over time? To a degree, uh, one of the things that helped when I was in Japan was not only me being in Japan, but my my project manager is a night owl, and my lead dev is also a night owl. So he's up till about 3 a.m. his time every day. That's just the hours that he works. Um, and that has let us have that not as much, but a similar distribution of that time. So we do have a lot of people, especially you know, we work with marketers. And so marketers will send out an email at 8, 8, at 8 p.m. or midnight or 2 a.m. or something like that. And when something goes wrong, they need someone to be able to respond to that. And we, we still have that. We still have that support. But there's no longer that, I guess, 4 a.m. to like 7 a.m. There's not really anyone there at that point anymore. So we don't have the external team in Japan or in Asia or anything. And we actually tried that uh, for a while. We had kept on a little bit of our team from Japan and we had worked with external um, external teams and uh, near shore companies and offshore companies and stuff. And it never worked out quite like we wanted. Um, I, I think this goes back to the, I have really high expectations. And the problem with any of the kind of secondary companies and the developers or the marketers or whoever we're working with offshore, it was the quality wasn't there. And then with our Japanese team, the, the communication was no longer there because we used to have, we used to do our daily standup at 4 PM uh, Pacific time. And that worked out okay for everyone. Uh, But then I moved back here and there was only one person left in Japan. So we stopped doing it then we Mm. did it in the morning. Um, because everyone was on that time zone and I started having stand up with just him. And then there was very much a, just, he didn't feel like he was part of the group anymore. Mm. Uh, so we would just send him stuff to do. He would do it and come back, but he was like, I, I miss working with you guys. And so we, we amicably split ways. Um, and he had another job offer. Um, but it kind of split out in that because of that time difference. Oh, wow. So at some point it, it it didn't work anymore. And that actually led to a team member leaving. Exactly. Exactly. And it was, I think if there were still two people there, it would have made sense to continue that when there's only one, uh, it's very difficult to continue that. I think. Yeah. I want to, I want to shift real quick to really, um, to talk about your, your agency's specialization, uh, for a moment. Sure. Uh, you guys are very much a dev-focused shop, yet mm-hmm. the market you serve is is really the um, uh, is the the problems you solve as a dev-focused shop are really geared more towards uh, folks really heavily um, engaged in the kind of internet marketing, whether it's information yep. products, coaching products, consulting products. I mean, even some software stuff that you guys have gotten into. But you have this kind of edge of like, you know, the we're the dev shop that really deeply understands digital marketing, um, which it sounds so simple, but the amount of companies that are <laughs> 
that, that, that do that, that marry those two things together are really limited. And I think there's, there's so few of them. There's so few. And, and that's given you guys an edge. And I feel like if you guys are out there listening to this show right now and you, you know, go to our show notes and look at some of the companies and, and products that Keith has been involved in. And, um, I mean, just having that basic level of specialization has helped you guys get yeah. some of the, the top names in the internet space right now as clients. Can you talk about how that specialization evolved and at what point you put your flag, uh, you, you know, the flag pole on the ground and said, this is what we're all about? Yeah. Well, it was, and it's so, it sounds so simple coming back to it, right? It's like, oh, we're a dev shop that focuses on marketization. That's easy. Right. But it took us, I'd say almost five years to get there. Right. So, I mean, it started out, like I was saying, where I was a, I was a consultant slash freelancer. I was doing front-end uh, development specifically for landing pages and conversion optimization, all right? So, as a single person, I am doing – I have a development background, but I'm focusing on not heavy development tasks. What I'm focusing on is using development to connect a lot of systems to improve conversion. Like, I'm doing copywriting and visuals, but – hooking it up so it can be tested and, and all that stuff that needs to happen. And as I kept doing that, people kept saying, this is amazing. I've never met anyone like you. And I'm like, that's, that's not possible. Like, this is, <laughs> I mean, the, the dev work is not hard dev work, right? It's when you think of hard dev work, you think of like machine learning and all the, like these, these big analytical tests. What we're doing is we're hooking up different APIs and different, uh, systems and different third-party tracking tools and all that stuff and just making sure it works, right? It's not what you would consider hardcore development, but it's a it's a development skill that marketers don't have and developers don't have the marketing skills, right? They don't have the... And th this is one of the things that as we were hiring people, we had to really be conscious of, which is we need... All our marketers need to be semi-technical, all our developers need to have some sort of marketing intelligence. Even if they don't get the marketing, they, they can understand why it's important and what needs to be focused on, right? And it's not easy to find those people. Developers, they, I mean, if you've ever gone on Hacker News, you know that most developers, especially the ones on Hacker News, hate marketers. <laughs> hate them with a, yeah. with a passion. It's amazing. Like anytime any. So um, Basecamp or uh, 37 Signals put out their, their, what was it, Getting Stuff Done? I can't remember the name of the PDF, the ebook, but they had written a book and published it and it was like a $30 book or something like that. And they put it on their site for free and they said, hey, just give us your email address and we'll give you this copy of our book for free. And the backlash was insane. Like Hacker News lambasted them. They're like, why should I give my email address? Like, oh, they're so <laughs> miserable marketers. I'm like, oh my God, wow. Yeah. Um, so de developers, and this is not a, this is not a slam against developers because I, I understand where they're coming from. Um, but just uh, most developers don't get marketing and they don't like marketing. Yeah. And I completely understand that because there are so many slimy marketers out there. I was actually just on a podcast called Everyone Hates Marketers. Um, so I <laughs> About marketing, how, right? No. <laughs> about marketers. Yeah, it was about marketing. But I understand how people view marketers, right. right? And that's why, but there's a lot of good that marketing can do. There's a lot of, first of all, not slimy marketers. There's people who, who, um, who really work hard to be upfront and, and good about the marketing. Um, I feel like I've gotten off track. The, the, what I was talking about was that 
there it's hard to find people who do the development and the marketing. So what yeah. you generally see, especially with marketing tools, is you have some offshore either freelance or like like a like a top not top tal um odesk mm-hmm. odesk rebranded i can't remember what they're called now um but essentially an odesk or a fiverr kind of like hey just set up this this plugin on wordpress right yeah and you have that same problem of okay the marketer knows what we need to do but has no idea how to do it they just know what needs to be done so they tell a developer or and usually the developer uh is a freelancer or someone who's not connected to the marketing at all and says hey I need you to install this plugin because that's what the instructions say. And so they install the plugin. And of course it doesn't work because they haven't considered all the other moving parts that happen, right? Maybe it has a JavaScript error or maybe it doesn't work with that plugin or maybe the plugin is work for WordPress and they're not using WordPress or they need to use Google Tag Manager. There's, there's so many variables, right? And the idea that you can have a marketer in one silo and a developer in another silo and they have no idea what the other person is doing other than the instructions they get. It's just a recipe for failure. So, and, so you guys oh, saw, you, you basically saw this conflict in the marketplace or the experience that your marketer friends or your marketer entrepreneurs were going through. And then you even saw from a talent perspective, it's difficult to find people that know both. And you use that as part of your hiring. Um, did you guys start to actually make that your... Uh, your value proposition or your positioning in the marketplace or was it just kind of it just kind of evolved into that yeah you make it sound like i had this this great (laughs) plan like i I saw this hole in the i didn't see this hole in the market i uh as a consultant that's what i happen to be doing right i happen Mm. to be doing the marketing plus the development the implementation right of the of the marketing strategy and i got really busy so i hired a, a guy who also could do the same thing as me then i had another guy then i was like i can't keep track of all the clients so i hired a project manager and we just kind of kept building like that and it didn't occur to me until probably three or four years later that none of these other agencies can do this right mm. because we were working with clients and they didn't have another dev or marketing team so we only knew what we were doing and we thought this is how development slash marketing agencies work. They work in tandem and they work together to produce something great for the client right away. And that's just how it is. And then we started working with clients that already had a dev team, already had a marketing team. And we're like, no, no, this is not how it works at all. This is insane. And then we realized, wait a minute, no one is doing, no one has this technical and marketing mix we're the only ones we've ever met doing this. And to this day, I think we're still the only ones we've ever met doing this. Even like we work with um, some big name digital agencies and big name marketing agencies and stuff, and they hire it all out. Like the, the marketing guys come in and say, oh, this is what we're going to do. Then they find a, they have a vendor that they always work with or a development agency that they find and they bring in and they do the work and then they leave. But it's the exact same thing. It's just at a more expensive scale. Yeah. So even, even the big names, the big agencies that you can think of aren't doing this no one's doing this i think the only other company and and take it from me i've talked to many 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 digital agency owners uh probably mike klein over at uh, tech guys who get marketing is the only other company Mm. that i've met so far that take that spin um but again, I I haven't uh, you know dove deep into his business about about that. But well, I it's think right it, in their name, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it it still is uh, it is few and far between. And I and I also think that um, 
just in terms of, of effective specialization, there's, you know, less companies that are effectively realizing the benefits of specialization than uh, the ones that are just trying to be the, the jack of all trades to all people. I think that most people I talk to are still trying to be the, the generalist. Uh, and we always at YouGurus yeah. are pushing the uh, start to specialize, you know, niche down either in your problem area that you focus on in your, I mean, just like you guys, uh, I mean, there probably is a, a market segment that you're going after, but just your your general market positioning, that problem that you guys solve and the way you solve it appeals to probably some clients uh, amongst a variety of niches. I mean, when you do go to your website, yeah. you guys specifically call out like a handful of kind of practice areas that you guys support really, really well. But um, so it's yep. kind of that that specialization and that market focus together, you guys become a really big winning formula. Yeah. And to, to double down on what you said, the... The specialization is key. So the the agents, the agency, the startup that I worked for in Japan never specialized until the very end, and by then it was too late. Mm. And we didn't specialize for probably a thir- first three or four years, and we did not. I mean, we were successful, but we didn't really hit that stride until we decide even with the technical marketing right even with the the marketers who understand development or developers who understand marketing even with that people didn't get it right we had to choose a very specific niche which was um, building evergreen funnels so we build performant converting evergreen sales funnels and that is our pitch we go in with hey you have a sales funnel it's not optimized we should totally optimize that for you Mm. and that's our initial pitch the the engagement afterwards turns into something else usually uh usually we become a long-term contract we do a lot of cro we do ad hoc development that kind of stuff whatever but without that initial conversation that initial uh niche or proposal we just we were having so much so many problems because people would come to us and say hey uh we heard you guys are great what can you do for us and we're just like okay, now we got to spend 20 <laughs> hours going through their site and, okay, we can do this, we can do this, yeah. we can do this. And then they look at that whole proposal and they're like, oh, that's a lot of great ideas. Thanks, we'll be doing this. Yeah. And we're like, with us? They're like, no, no. <laughs> I mean, we got everything we needed right here. Well, and I, and I was I, like, I, crap. <laughs> and and I, I just want our listeners to uh, key in on what you've said so far and make sure that you guys are, are really paying attention to this. Because even what you just said about that initial offer being so hyper-focused on letting building an evergreen funnel for somebody or optimizing it, getting better results out of that, as being an initial product and focal point, um, sometimes people hear things like that and they're like, well, is there really that many companies that need that one thing? And I'm kind of sitting over here on the sidelines like yes. jumping up and down going, good God, yes, there are so many, so <laughs> many companies. You know, And most agencies don't even need, they don't need 500 clients this year, right? They need like, if you had 20 great, fantastic clients, yep. um, that would be a banner year for you. So uh, Keith, this has been super informative. I think there's a, a few things we've touched on working remote, that distributed team, um, the uh, the specialization. Uh, I do want to shift now to our lightning round. Are you are you ready for this? I am, I'm ready. All right. Uh, Keith, what is the best advice you've ever received? Um, the best advice I've ever received is to, you're never going to find people who can do exactly what you do as, a, as an agency owner. You need to find people who do 50 to 70% of what you can do. And that's as good as it's going to get. Mm, I like that. Um, that 
Do you want me to go? Uh, okay, no <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Lightning, lightning. <laughs> You're my first guest to call themselves out about it being the lightning round. I, I'm not going to name any names, Keith, but sometimes the lightning round is just interview part two, right? Um, <laughs> which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Probably the that 100% immersion that we talked about, uh, which was the I am a perfectionist. I want to get things perfect. And I like thinking about hard problems and being able to focus on a single problem for a week or so and go 100% into it has been really helpful. Um, You know, they say that your best thoughts come in the shower when you're not actually working on it. And that ability to go deep into something has been really uh, powerful and really helpful for my business. Um, so if I have a big problem, I should just clear my calendar for a week and just take showers. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Just cold showers, rocking yourself back and forth slowly. <laughs> you know, but that's, I mean, you know, Bill Gates has his think week. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of big entrepreneurs have that. It's, it's you know, super they do that. important to take that week or that month or however long you can do at least once a year, if not once a quarter, and take that time off and, and reassess and think about the important things, not the day-to-day. That's great. Can you share an internet resource or a tool that you use uh, in your business or personal life that uh, you think our listeners would find valuable? Um, I'm going to say a project management tool because it's the number one tool we use. Um, but I understand that project management tools, everyone's got a favorite, everyone's different. <laughs> we are super keen on teamwork. Uh, we went through Jira, we went through Asana, we went through Trello, we went through Basecamp, we went through building our own system, we've gone through Redmine, we've gone through everything. And for me, teamwork is the is the best tool we've used so far. It's great. What book would you recommend and why? Uh, Getting Everything You Can Out of All You've Got by Jay Abraham. Um, and it's just a great way of reevaluating the the resources that you have that you can then put out to people. One of the biggest problems I think a lot of people have as a consultant or an agency owner is that we have the experts, the was it the experts conundrum, the experts dilemma where we're the expert in this subject matter. And so we think that what we know, everyone else knows. And it's very rarely the case. And the things that you think are so absolutely basic are things that would blow some your clients' minds, right? And just the, the book talks about how you can figure those out and how you can present those and how you can get people, turn that into a marketing funnel and a lead generation funnel. I'm getting that book today. It's such a good book. <laughs> Keith, thank you so much. How can our audience find more about you? And uh, do you have any, anything that they can check out that you have? Yeah, uh, you can always find me at developyourmarketing.com. And see, I got a, I got a domain name that gets that marketing and that development. Yeah, I like the, it. The dev guys. Um, and then I'm always building software and doing marketing stuff. My favorite right now is called Segmetrics. And it is an analytics platform for email, uh, for email funnels and for tracking lead value and figuring out how much your leads are actually worth. Very cool. So two very uh, good places to go. We'll link to both of those and several other things that we mentioned during our program uh, in our show notes. So thanks for that, Keith. 
No worries. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, no, and 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 your, I feel like your your story of of uh, the the re- remote distributed team, um, your specialization, the success that you've had in your company, the clients you have, uh, some of the accolades you've gotten in the marketplace. Um, you've been a great guest for us today, and uh, I hope our listeners have taken copious notes on today's program. So thanks, Keith. Thanks for having me. It's been great. All right, guys, that is it for this episode of the Digital Agency Show. Um, Stay tuned until uh, next week when we have another episode. Lots of great uh, guests in store. Our pipeline of amazing people keeps getting better. Until then, I'm your host, Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched? fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show.